Well, good morning. Someone left me some bells for the season. All right. Well, world history right to today climaxed on that first Christmas just over 2,000 years ago. What happened that first Christmas was so significant that world history is measured by the birth of Jesus. We live in the year 2021 AD, which is Annos Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So 2,021 years after the birth of Jesus. Now in our secular culture, to play down the fact that we measure history by history, we, by Jesus, we now use the term CE or the common era to describe the time in history we live in. So we live in 2021 CE to be politically correct. And the way we measure time before Jesus, we used to say BC or before Christ, but now we, see, now we say BCE, before the common era, but hey, however you do it, we measure history by the birth of Jesus, whether we call it A.D. or C.E., because friends, the birth of Jesus is the climax of world history so far. I say so far because the most cataclysmic, the most important, the, the most profound experience in history is yet to come. And, and that will be at the end of history when Jesus comes back. Jesus is coming back, and that will truly be the climax of world history. Did you know that uh, in the world of graphics, there is a font called the Second Coming? You'll see an example of it on the screen. It's reserved for the largest and most important headlines. It's, it's reserved for when something really big happens in world history, the, the end of a war, the, the capture of bin Laden. The idea being that the ultimate news event will be when Jesus returns. And I thought a great way to help us prepare for Christmas is to realize that there really are two Christmases in the Christian calendar. The first one when Jesus was born on this planet, the baby in a manger. And the second Christmas will be when Jesus returns to establish the new heavens and new earth. When Jesus comes to set up his eternal kingdom, heaven on earth. Now, as this pandemic has been dragging on, I've noticed uh, an uptick in social media posts about end times and the second coming of Christ. I don't mean to burst any of your end times bubbles, but those of you who really like to get into end times prophecy and stuff, but any time the world goes into crisis, and so often when the world goes into crisis, things like liberties begin to be restricted just as we're experiencing these days, and that causes people who read the Bible to wonder if that means if we're in the last days. Well, the answer to, the, to that question, are we in the last days, is yes and maybe. Because when we study the Bible carefully, you, you discover things like uh, when Paul is teaching about the end times, like he does to young Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, the third chapter there, he, he gives a description of what it's like to live in the last days, and, and then he calls Timothy in these last days to avoid certain kinds of people. And when you study the text there, you realize that what Paul is doing is he's telling Timothy that he's living in the last days. Jesus and Paul both taught that we should expect Jesus to return at any time. It's what theologians call the imminent return of Jesus. It could happen today. It could happen 50 years from today. It could happen 1,000 years from now. Paul and Timothy, though, they, they lived as though Jesus could return in their lifetime. And you and I, we should do the same. Sure, there are lots of things that look like what the Bible describes as the end times. That's because we are in the end times. It's just that when the Bible talks about the end times, 
generally it's describing the whole period of time between the resurrection of Jesus and his return. Now that doesn't mean you won't see more and more stuff happening that seems to indicate that Jesus' return is, is getting sooner. There's a mystery to all of this. You know, maybe the current climate crisis is an end times phenomenon. Could be, I don't know. And like this past year, we, we watch the ongoing mess in the Middle East, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We, we wonder if this is end time stuff. Well, yes, it really could be. I mean, there's stuff going on in that part of the world that's kind of like end time stuff. And the fact that Israel became a nation in 1948 is probably not an accident. Something's up with that. But the but is, friends, we have been in the end times for 2,000 years now, and who knows how long before Jesus returns, before what I'm going to call Christmas future. Jesus' birth was Christmas past. Jesus' return is Christmas future. And we're going to see waves, a lot more waves of darkness will just continue until Jesus returns but these waves of darkness are just part of what it means to live in this entire time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. Now, the Bible talks a lot about the second coming of Christ. Like, there are more verses, um, you know, predicting the second coming of Christ than there are those on the first coming of Christ. The, the purpose of these verses is not so that you can construct all these charts that foretell the future and label Trudeau as the Antichrist. Come on. Some of you have done that, right? The purpose is to encourage us to live right, to live well, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength as you love your neighbor as yourself. The purpose of all of these passages, including the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is just to let us know that our God is in control. The world might be getting darker and messier, but God's got the whole world. God's got all of history in his hands. Friends, well, we should be encouraged about this, that as wild as things are going on in our world, this world is still in God's hands. It's in his control, yes. The Apostle Paul, he calls the second coming of Jesus what I call Christmas future. He calls it the blessed hope. And he uses uh, this blessed hope to call us to live God-honoring lives. He calls us to live well, and in the midst of live well, he says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and Paul then describes those of us um, uh, who are eagerly waiting for Jesus to return as people who are eager to do what is good. Are you eager to do what is good? Because, friends, that's our calling. We are to be people who are eager to do what is good while we wait for Jesus to return at any moment. End times prophecy in the Bible is not so much designed so that you can create these awesome charts to tell you when God, you know, when God is going to do, do what. I hate to tell you, those charts are probably wrong. Like, whose chart are you going to follow? I had a set of charts, but the world would be over by now. But anyways, that's another story. The main purpose for the writers of the Bible to talk about the return of Jesus is to inspire us to live like Jesus, to be on mission for Jesus. Lives where we give our time, our energy, yes, even our finances to God's mission as we love our neighbor as ourselves. What we do know, what we can all agree on, no matter what church we're from, is that Jesus will come again. There will be a Christmas future. And this blessed hope gives us comfort, it gives us strength, it gives us confidence to face the future because our God is in control. 
It gives you hope that no matter what's going to happen in this world, we've read the final chapter of history and we win. Friends, we win. It's all going to be okay. Jesus is coming back one day. This is our blessed hope. Now the night before Jesus went to the cross, he said this to his disciples. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Isn't that an awesome promise? Jesus is preparing our eternal home, and when the time is right, he's going to come and get us and, and, and usher us into that eternal experience. This is our blessed hope. There will be a Christmas future. Jesus is coming back. As we approach this Christmas, where we celebrate Christmas past, where, where Jesus came into the world in his first coming, what I'd like to do is compare that Christmas past with the promised Christmas future. This is something I picked up from Rick Warren, the idea that we can compare and contrast the first coming of Christ with the second coming of Christ. Let me just speak about a, a couple of these differences, and as I do, I hope you'll be encouraged by the truth that Jesus is indeed coming back. The first contrast I want us to see is this. When Jesus first came, for the most part, his arrival was very quiet. But when Jesus returns, the, the entire world will hear it. You know, God chose a, a quiet, humble way to bring Jesus into the world. Jesus, God's divine son, went through nine months in Mary's womb, was born in the remote village of Bethlehem. Like back then, there was only maybe, we don't know for sure, but 300 people living in Bethlehem. He was born in some sort of manger, barn, or cave. Bethlehem back then was just a nondescript, out-of-the-way village, and I say that with all due respect, and particularly to the handful in our city who were born in modern-day Bethlehem. Yeah, before I did a trip to uh, Jordan a few years back to connect with the Mifrak Alliance Church, who helped us sponsor the Alkarnaki family from Syria, I, I had my hair cut by a guy born in Bethlehem. He told me I was nuts to go to the Middle East, particularly nuts to go to Jerusalem and to the Palestinian part of Israel that he was from. It's such a volatile part of the world. He, he told me he'd never, ever go back. Too crazy, too dangerous. But it is the part of the world where Jesus came from. And it's part of the world where Jesus is going to return. And the mess happening over there these days has something to do with Jesus coming back. And I love that we did this trip very differently than most Western tourists. Um, we came into Israel through Jordan, and because we came that way, we came through the Palestinian part of Israel first. Our tour guides were Palestinian. I think Christians who go to Israel need to experience the Palestinian side of the story because most don't. Jesus loves Palestinians as much as he loves the Jewish people. And our God is pro-peace, pro-justice. And we forget that there are a whole lot of Palestinian Christians whose lineage dates back to the days of the early church, and they're suffering big time there. Where am I going with this? Well, Bethlehem may be a much bigger place today and far more, well, far more well-known all throughout the world today, but back when Jesus was born, not so much. Just a little town outside of the major bustle of more important cities like Jerusalem, born in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. And apart from a few angels who did experience a bit of an angelic light show, it was, you know, for the most part, really 
simple and quiet. The truth is, not many people were aware that the King of Kings had been born. Kind of like that Christmas carol, silent night, holy night, all is calm. But when Jesus returns, when he returns on that Christmas future, friends, it's going to get loud. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a mighty shout and with the soul-stirring cry of the archangel and the great trumpet call of God and the believers who are dead will be first to rise to meet the Lord. Wowzers, right? Now, I don't know what the trumpet call of God exactly means. It's a, it's a pe- prophetic picture of what is to come. And friends, it's just going to get loud. It's not going to be silent night, holy night. It's not going to be all is calm. It's going to be something everyone in the world is going to hear. Next contrast I'd like us to look at is somewhat similar. Number two, at the first coming of Jesus, a single star was seen in the sky. At the second coming, Jesus will light up the entire sky worldwide. So the first time at Christmas, there was this single star. Astronomers these days speculate that the, maybe the star is what they now have called the Christmas star, but we really don't know that what they've identified is it or not. Although I did see a presentation at the McLaughlin Planetarium at the Royal Ontario Museum in Ontario that was pretty convincing about the Christmas star. Sadly, that planetarium is now closed, and yeah, we just don't know if that star the astronomers have picked out is the one or not, but what we do know is that there was a star that appeared at the birth of Jesus, and these wise men, these magi who came from what is now Iran, came to worship the newborn king. The apostle Matthew quotes these wise men, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. It was just one star. Not not everyone paid attention to this star. It was significant to these wise men, but not as big of a deal for everyone else. But when Jesus returns at Christmas future, Jesus will light up the entire sky. It's going to be a spectacular light show that will be seen in the skies over the entire planet. Here's how Jesus describes it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so will be when the Son of Man comes. Friends, that's spectacular. Another contrast, number three, the first time Jesus came, only a few honored him. When he returns, everyone will honor him. Throughout his life, up until his death, Jesus really only had a relatively small group of followers. The Apostle John, writing about when Jesus first came to our world, says, He came for his own, and his own people did not receive him. But when Jesus returns, well, well, here's what the Apostle Paul tells us. As surely as I am the living God, everyone will, uh, everyone will kneel before me and everyone will confess that I am God. Jesus is not coming back as a baby with no room for him in the end. No, when he returns, he's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. Apostle Paul puts it like this. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus Every knee, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. That time is coming. Every knee will bow. Let's move on to a contrast that is maybe not so comfortable for some of us, although when understood right, it too is awesome. The first time Jesus came, he came to save the world when he comes back. When he returns, he's coming to judge the world. 
about the first coming, the, the Apostle John writes. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge. See that? Not to judge the world but to save the world. At the first coming, God sent his son Jesus on a rescue mission, not on a judgment mission, a mission to rescue you and me from the mess that sin gets us into, to give us the gift of life that goes on forever if we choose to accept that gift. That's why the angels said at that first Christmas to the shepherds, I bring you good news, not bad news, good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a savior, a rescuer is born. Now, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back to judge the world. Uh, another way of putting it is he's coming back to make all that is wrong in the world right. The Apostle Paul said about our God, he has set a day when the entire human race will be judged and everything set right. Friends, our God is not just a loving God. He is just and fair. This means that uh, wrong must be made right. Evil must be dealt with and done away with. Right now, God allows evil in the world to give you a choice to choose to follow Jesus or to reject Jesus. Right now, we can go God's way or we can choose to go our own way or even the way of the evil one. God gives us that choice. Friends, free will is a gift of love. God loves you and, and wants you to choose to love him back. But that also means that wrongs must be made right. Evil must ultimately be dealt with. When Jesus comes back, friends, he's going to end all atrocities, all abuse, aggression, all bloodshed, all bondage, all, all brutality, bigotry, betrayal. He's going to end all corruptions, cruelty, darkness, dehumanization, all dictators, all disasters. He's going to end all enslavement, evil, genocide, hate, harassment, all inhumanity. He's going to end all injustice. He's, he's going to end all killing, maliciousness, uh, manipulators, molesters, murderers, oppression, racism, tyrants, uh, violence, war. And in your life and in my life, he's going to end all illness, all hopelessness, all betrayals, all cancer, all deafness, all death, all deformities, all defects, all dementia, all depression, all disappointments, and on and on and on. Friends, I am looking forward to Christmas future. I am looking forward to the return of Jesus. It will be the end of all pain, like hallelujah, right? Friends, our God is in control. And he's going to make all that is wrong in the world right. Does that not encourage you? It sure encourages me. And hey, Jesus said he could return at any moment. We don't know. Could be tomorrow. Could be in 50 years. Could be in a thousand years. We just don't know. And Jesus said in light of his imminent return, in the light of the fact that he could return at any moment, always be ready. Because you don't know the day or the hour the Son of Man will come. So are you ready? How do I get ready? How, how do I prepare for Christmas future, for the return of Jesus? How do you get ready? You make a commitment to live for Jesus. You, you live for him, looking forward to his return with a, a sense of expectation. You know, with a, with a sense of hope. You, you live with the conviction that God is going to save your life forever because you have trusted in him. You live for his purposes. Every day you live on mission for him. 
You give of your time. You invest your time in ways that help see lives changed by Jesus now and forever. You give of your finances so that your giving has eternal impact. You play a role helping others prepare for the imminent return of Jesus. Put simply, you live every day with deep hope. You live on purpose for God's glory. You live with great expectation that Jesus could return at any moment. Are you ready? Friends, we we don't know what 2022 is going to hold. I don't know what the future holds. It's just that I do know who holds the future, right? As you celebrate Christmas past, when God sent his one and only son into the world to give us life now and forever, remember that there is a Christmas future. When Jesus will come back and usher his family, including all of us who know him, into the new heaven and the new earth. Are you ready? Do you know him? In the moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. This is a prayer to help you get ready for his return. If you've never invited Jesus to be a part of your life, this is a prayer where you can do that. For those of you who know that you are a child of God, this is a prayer just to recommit to being ready by living on mission for Jesus. So bow with me for prayer and just take the words that I pray and and, and kind of pray them in your own way. All right, Just take my words and make them your own prayer. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father God. I thank you for the Christmas gift of Jesus. Just, yeah, do that right now. Just thank him for Jesus. I I thank you for Jesus who gives freedom, salvation, forgiveness, my past forgiven. I I thank you for Jesus who gives me purpose for living and a a home with you forever. Jesus, as much as I know how, I, I ask you to come into my life. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace. Give me a passion to live for your purposes. And as you fill me with your life-changing presence, I look forward to your return to Christmas future and I commit to being prepared for your return. Jesus, I choose to live for you every day. I commit my time, my talents, my finances to advance your mission on earth. I commit to allowing your love to flow through me to others. I want to serve you the rest of my life. And as I do, I say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.